0: A unicorn entered the NCAA transfer portal on Tuesday morning in Grant Nelson. The Zags have developed this kind of player before. Can they land another player like him for another go-round? You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on Welcome to the Lockdown Zags Podcast, by of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag Athletics. What well, is a Transfer Portal Tuesday episode here of Locked On Zags? We've got a pair of Transfer Portal targets to discuss before we close things out talking about former Gonzaga target Tran- uh, Taryn Armstrong, excuse me, and how the Transfer Portal isn't always for everybody. We're going to talk about all of that, but first we're going to lead talking about Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson entered the Transfer Portal just a few minutes before I hit record on this podcast this morning. Here on Tuesday, it had been rumored for a week or so, maybe even longer than a week, that Grant Nelson was going to enter the transfer portal. So it was something that a lot of people were kind of expecting news to see. Uh, Grant Nelson is a six foot ten stretch four from Devil's Lake, North Dakota. He spent the past three seasons playing at North Dakota State and he went viral last year. Some of you probably saw this video package that was put together. I think it came out around December of last season. It's a highlight package of him and what he was doing at North Dakota State. And he he looks a lot like Chad Holmgren. There's just no other way to possibly put it. He's not as efficient as a shooter. We'll talk a little bit more about his numbers and his role. Uh, But he's a 6'10", kind of lanky, good shot blocker, Good ball handler, plays away from the rim, can kind of do things that you'd expect to see a guard doing. Uh, Very, very good rebounder. Again, good rim protector. The outside shooting isn't as consistent as it was with Chet. I mean, Chet was a unicorn among even unicorns in how absolutely efficient he was around the rim as a shot blocker and as a three-point shooter. Nelson doesn't quite have that entire package, but there is a reason that him entering the transfer portal is monstrous news. It is. Every school is going to be involved in this kid. Uh, Just to give you a little bit of a background on who he is uh, again, he was three year guy at North Dakota state. He was good all three seasons. He was a role player as a freshman, still averaged about six points per game, uh, 12 points per game as a sophomore, and then fully had his explosion as a junior this past season in 2022, 23, he made 30, 30 starts for North Dakota state played 30 minutes per game. Averaged a hair under 18 points, nine and a half rebounds, 2.1 assists, and 1.7 blocks. He shot just over 60% on two pointers. So, again, a very efficient scorer inside the arc. He was only 27% from deep. Now, he's a career 31% three point shooter. So, the 27% was a pretty low mark for him. But again, if you want to talk about a player being a, a true unicorn and having that ability to fully stretch the floor, you're going to want to see them be a bit more consistent than 27% or even 31% as he's been for his career. Now he's a 72% free throw shooter and he's a good jump shooter in general. So I think the uh, odds of his three point shooting improving are pretty high. And I think they'll improve next year, wherever he ends up because he will be in a situation where, where he is not as much of a focal point for opposing defenses. We've talked about this extensively. Everyday listeners have heard me say this probably 15 or 20 times. I often make the comparison with Ryan Woolridge, who saw his efficiency bump up significantly when he – Went from North Texas to Gonzaga. And we've seen other players have that similar bump as well. Uh, And I think Nelson, whether it's at Gonzaga or whether it's somewhere else, which we'll talk about momentarily, uh, I think we're going to see him be more like a 35% three point shooter, which, man, oh man, that just makes him absolutely filthy uh, as an overall basketball player. Well, who's interested? Well, like I said, we started recording this very shortly after he officially entered the NCAA transfer portal, but. because it had been rumored for so long that he was considering doing so there are already some some names some some schools that have been tossed out there in fact there are already people reporting and i don't know the entire validity of this but that it is basically down to two places either professional as he has entered the nba draft and there is a very reasonable chance that he gets selected he was recently invited to the nba draft combine not all not all prospects get invited to the draft combine a lot of Mid-major prospects who declare for the draft while also entering the portal don't end up getting invited to the NBA draft combine. So for Grant Nelson to get that invite is clear indication that the league has enough belief that he could be a guy who who goes in the late second round or, or even mid-second round. And the skill set, again, is, is incredibly tantalizing for NBA scouts, a 6'10 guy who can stretch mechanics you know the testing on the athletic ability all that stuff Uh, without knowing what that is it's hard to know how serious his NBA aspirations are at this point but the fact that it is a legitimate option for him is proof that any college team should really be invested in trying to land this kid if they can the other school or the school I should say that is most heavily linked to Grant Nelson right now is Eric Musselman and the Razorbacks Arkansas uh, they have been very very active in the transfer portal this season they've landed L Ellis they've landed Keon Menefield, they've landed a handful of other guards but they haven't been as active in the front court and I think they lost Mikkel Mitchell he's in the transfer portal uh, unsure what's going to happen with Jordan Walsh uh, who's not really a big but he's more of a wing for them uh, they have a, a high level incoming freshman coming in in Bay Fall but he's a true freshman so for them I think for Arkansas to be a, a legitimate top 10, top five national contender next year, landing a big like Grant Nelson would do it. So it is not surprising that Musselman and the Hogs are really invested in trying to get this young man to come to Fayetteville and play for Arkansas. Uh, but there, that's the, that's not it. That's what we're hearing as the likely two candidates right here, but I can guarantee you that just about everybody will be involved. Gonzaga will check in here. Whether it gets reported that they checked in or not, I'm not sure, but I can almost guarantee you that they will at least check in. I think Duke's going to check in. I think Carolina's going to check in. I think you could go down the list of traditional blue blood programs. You know, somebody like Michigan's going to check in since they've lost Hunter Dickinson to the portal. Like, I, I think that this is going to be a list of. The best programs in college basketball effectively are going to be checking in here now. Some of them are going to be good fits for him. Some of them are maybe not going to be good fits for him. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're hearing just a huge list. Arizona, I just thought of them as losing Azulis to This would be a really nice replacement for Tubellis. A good player to pair to pair alongside Umar Balo and the front court. So yeah, I-, I think that this is going to be a, a battle to land this young man uh, in terms of role that he would have at Gonzaga when we've been talking about bigs that gonzaga is potentially pursuing in the portal we've had a hard time figuring out what that role might look like for some of them because We're expecting Anton Watson to come back. It's not 100% confirmed, but the general expectation is that Anton Watson is testing out the NBA draft waters with the intention of returning to Gonzaga for his fifth and final season. Ben Gregg is coming back. Graham E.K. is in the mix. You also have Caden Perry and Braden Huff, who are in theory, you know, they don't want to not play for another season, so you want to find some minutes for them as well. So there's not a ton of room. Of course, you lost Drew Timmy. Of course, you lost Efton Reed, so you do have some room to make some adjustments uh, even after adding a player like Graham E.K., but Grant Nelson, he's not going anywhere unless he's playing 30 minutes a night. And for Gonzaga, I, he's good enough that he should play 30 minutes a night, but it definitely disrupts what they have in the front court to the to the point that I'm not sure that they would actually be able to figure out a way to make this work. Nelson's 6'10". Again, he's a good shot blocker. He's not huge, though. I think he would, he would be a rim protector for Gonzaga in a way that they don't currently have on the roster. But can you play Grant Nelson and Anton Watson and Graham E.K. and Ben Gregg together? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that there's enough minutes to go around. Somebody's not going to get very many minutes. I'm not sure who that would be. I'd be disappointing to see Ben Gregg play less or not more than he played last year. I hope that that would not be the case. Maybe they could play him more at the three uh, from an athletic perspective. You know, he's got some work to do there. I think he could capably do that uh, if they needed him to, you could maybe try Anton Watson at the three, although I'm not sure about his outside shooting. If it's consistent enough to do that, uh, of course, Graham E.K.'s health is, abs- is absolutely a question here as well. If he's not fully healthy and going to miss some time, that opens up more of an opportunity for somebody like Nelson to come in. But I do think that Grant Nelson's would fit really well at Gonzaga in the sense that he's the kind of player that Mark few has developed and has produced. And they, they have had so many success with, with stretch four, stretch fives guys. Like, I mean, obviously Chet Holmgren is the most notable example, but guys like Kelly Olenek guys like Kyle Wilcher who can kind of do a, a lot of different things uh, can play a little bit more like guards, even though they are also traditional bigs as well. So there's, a, there's an obvious fit in terms of the kind of player Gonzaga has produced in the past and the kind of player that Grant Nelson is, but it's not as obvious of a fit on the current roster, which is okay. It's not a bad thing that Gonzaga has depth in the front court like you want that, but it does make them a little bit less likely of a candidate to actually land Mr. Nelson. Now, if Watson were to officially decide, hey, I'm done, I'm going to go move on and play professionally, which again, I'm not expecting to happen. But if that were to happen, suddenly I think a player like Grant Nelson would become a lot more interesting because then you'd have Nelson, E.K., Gregg, and some combination of Perry or Huff in that kind of fourth big spot. Uh, there's, there's all of a sudden more minutes to go around. They're, they're weaker without Anton Watson. Obviously, Anton Watson's very, very good, but that would make it more likely that they could land a player like Grant Nelson. I don't think it's particularly likely they land him. Uh, without somebody else leaving, and I don't really want to see anybody else leave. So that's kind of the overall report there, but uh, should something happen or should Gonzaga be involved here, it's definitely worth keeping an eye on because he is very, very talented. Well, we've talked about this already, but the backcourt is a more pressing, immediate need for the Zags in the transfer portal. And next up, we're going to talk about a graduate transfer that could help Mark View's team right away. More on him after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back, and there is no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. Maybe you Zag fans want to bet on Marco Gonzalez to get a win for the Mariners, or perhaps you want to bet on Eli Morgan to get a save for the Cleveland Guardians. Either way, don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, segment two, Stoney Patton, still locked on Zags. I want to thank all of you for making Locked on Zags your first listen every day. And remind you, everyday listeners, this week on the show, we're going to continue to look at the transfer portal. We're going to continue to look at who Gonzaga could add to the backcourt. And we're going to continue our season in review series, looking at every player on Gonzaga's roster last year and what their future may hold in Spokane or elsewhere. But for now, we're going to talk about another player the Zags could pursue in the transfer portal here, and it's another player from Utah Valley. For those of you who listened on Monday, you everyday listeners, again, thank you to all of you. On Monday, we discussed Aziz Bandego, the big man for Utah Valley. Uh, But Utah Valley has seen multiple players enter the transfer portal just in the last few days, unfortunately for them, after head coach Mark Madsen moved on to take the head coach job at Cal. Uh, We've seen Utah Valley kind of lose some of the talent that they had from last year's very, very good team. And that includes combo guard Trey Woodbury. And that's what I want to talk about here in the second segment. Woodbury is a six foot four combo guard from Vegas. He began his college basketball career at UNLV way back in the 2018, 2019 season. That was a long time ago, folks, that that season happened. Uh, That was the Killian Tilly, Rui Hachamira, Brandon Clark team. Woodbury, 22 games at UNLV as a freshman, 6.3 minutes per game and pretty quickly transferred after that one year didn't get a big enough role decided he wanted to move somewhere else went to Utah Valley and has spent the last four seasons at Utah Valley wait a minute Andy he's played four years at Utah Valley and one year at UNLV yes but in the 2021-22 season he only played two games because of an injury so there's really not any strong indication he shouldn't get an extra year of eligibility as a graduate transfer. I have seen a few people tweeting that they're not sure if he's going to get an extra year of eligibility. I don't know the necessary, the the validity of some of those tweets. The NCAA is a bit inconsistent and hard to read, but if a player only played two games in one of their seasons, you would think that they would get an extra year after that. So I, I imagine that there's one year of eligibility here remaining for Trey Woodbury, but if not, obviously he would then be moving on to his professional playing career Uh, He Woodbury was a guy who continued to develop at Utah Valley and kind of had a bigger role every year and year and year. And of course, that kind of crescendoed with a very excellent 2022 23 season for the Wolverines 37 games. As Utah Valley advanced deep into the NIT, 36 starts, he played about 31 minutes per game. He averaged 13.8 points, 5.9 boards, 4.7 assists, and one steal. Always like guys who are around uh, five or six boards and four or five assists. Nice to see people who just kind of Uh, blow up the stat sheet the way that he did. Uh, He shot 49.2% on two-pointers and a very excellent 39.5% on threes. That was on four and a half attempts per game. So he is a lighted up, knockdown three-point shooter, also a good rebounder, also a good facilitator, had decent defensive metrics as well and shot 73% from the free throw line. Looking at Utah Valley's box scores and looking at some of the big teams that they played, there are some instances of them playing better teams and him not playing all that well. It's always worth noting, I remember this was a criticism of Malachi Smith that ultimately ended up being kind of meaningless, so I don't know how much it matters. It's also worth pointing out that the while I don't think the Oregon Ducks were a particularly great team last year, Trey Woodbury put up 24 points, nine boards, and six assists against them, so I'm not too worried about his ability to perform against high major programs. He also went absolutely nuclear in the postseason for Utah Valley. I mean, insane! Combining these conference tournament games and the NIT games that Utah Valley played, that's six games that Trey Woodbury played in the in the playoffs last year. He averaged 19.7 points, eight rebounds, 6.2 assists, shot 61% on two, and 50% from deep. Yes, it's a six-game sample size, so the percentages are maybe a little bit. uh, You don't want to take them too seriously, but in the playoffs. Folks, Gonzaga's guards didn't do so hot in the playoffs this last year in the final tournament, in the conference tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Finding a player who had a good regular season and then boosted their performance as they got towards the end of the year it's not hard to see why that's pretty appealing for Gonzaga Malachi Smith did a similar thing where he had some of his best performances towards the end of the year and that's kind of what I want to we'll, we'll get to, to what his role might look like but I also want to talk about schools that might be interested here and again Woodbury entered the portal recently not quite as recently as Grant Nelson but recently enough that we don't have a obvious list here that has come out on Woodbury so we're not sure exactly who is interested I think think it's obvious that Cal is going to show some interest here. Daz Amac tweeted an eyeball emoji shortly after. I think he retweeted the verbal commits tweet that said that Woodbury was entering the portal. He retweeted it with the eyeball emoji. Amac, of course, played with Trey Woodbury at Utah Valley before he went to Texas Tech. And he is now at Cal alongside Mark Madsen, the head coach at Utah Valley who coached Woodbury. So Amac is trying to get Woodbury to come to Cal. It makes a lot of sense. Cal has lost nine players in the NCAA transfer portal. They have already added some guards. They added Jalen Cohn out of Northern Arizona. They also added Mike Meadows from the University of Portland. Meadows was a good player at UP last year, entered the portal, committed to LMU, decommitted from LSU, and then decided to go to Cal. Kind of an odd trajectory for him, but we have seen the Golden Bears already add a few guards, but boy, if they could add Trey Woodbury alongside Amac and Cohn and Meadows, that's a really, really good offseason so far for For Mark Madsen. Is this team suddenly going to compete in the Pac-12? Probably not. They were very, very bad last year, but that would be another big addition for them. But I don't think Cal's the only option here by any stretch of the imagination. I think there are a ton of high majors uh, that I think could absolutely give him some interest, show some interest in him. I think Baylor is a school that I keep mentioning whenever we talk about guards because Baylor has lost so many guards this season. Adam Flagler's out the door. LJ Cryer's out the door. Dale Bonner's out the door. Keontae George is out the door. They added Jaden Nunn, but that is it. So I think that they're going to be looking for some guard help. This is a player that they could easily kind of plug in and play right away for this team. Uh, I think Texas Tech is in that mold. I think UW could be in that mold as well. They've already added a few players, but why not add a few more? They've also lost a ton of guards to the transfer portal. Stanford makes some sense to me. BYU has been on the on the hunt for guards and they have often looked at guards in the state of Utah and Utah Valley and BYU do have the Mark Pope connection so I could see that making some sense for them. I also think Colorado is a school that could make sense here. This is just kind of a list I'm making up for the record. We'll see a report that comes out. I'm sure sure in the next day or so of schools that have reached out to Trey Woodbury. Uh, I suspect some of these schools will be on there. There's also going to be some schools on there that I was not expecting either. But it would make sense to me for Gonzaga to give him a call and really explore this because he's very similar to Malachi Smith. And whether Malachi Smith is coming back or not is one of the biggest questions surrounding Gonzaga right now. Most people feel pretty confident that Anton Watson is coming back. Most people feel pretty confident that Julian Strother is not coming back. Drew Timmy's not coming back. Steele Venters is coming back. Those are basically 100%. So really Malachi Smith's the one kind of in the middle, the one that's that's unclear if he's going to come back or not. And I think the nice thing about Woodbury is he would be a player you could pursue either way. And that's kind of when I'm thinking of if I'm trying to put my Mark View hat on and think like him, that's kind of a, a big part of it is, What's a player that I can get that's going to be adaptable either way? And for Woodbury, if Malachi Smith were to come back, his final year of college would be in a smaller role. He may not want that. So that does kind of complicate things a little bit, but I think he can fill a role either way. For starters, he's a sharpshooter off the bench. He can fill that role regardless of whether Malachi Smith is in the fold or not. A guy who shot 40% last year on four and a half attempts per game. He was also a very good facilitator. He had a lot of turnovers, but he also had over five assists per game. I don't think he's going to fill that role. Ryan Nemhard is your point guard. Nolan Hickman is your backup point guard. He's probably also your starting combo guard, depending on what happens with Malachi Smith. But I think Hickman soaks up most of the minutes that Ryan Nemhart is not actively on the floor at the point guard position, but Woodbury could be a third guard he could be a starting guard potentially if malachi smith leaves i think that if malachi smith does leave you still probably start an and hickman and you have woodbury come off the bench but he can fill a combo guard role he could play some three if steel venters was on the bench it'd be a smaller guard lineup but you could definitely do it so i think there's a lot of appeal in woodbury i think he's a guy who would benefit from going into an offense where he's not the focal point same with malachi smith and it took malachi smith some time to adjust to that role. He struggled a little bit early on because he was a guy who had such a high usage rate at Chattanooga that that coming to a new school where he was coming off the bench and he wasn't he was the third or fourth option on the floor. It took him some time, but once he found that role, he excelled. And I think Trey Woodbury could absolutely do the same thing. So if Malachi Smith does move on, Woodbury kind of stepping in and replacing him and playing almost the same role totally makes sense to me. And I think he can absolutely do it. They're, they're, they're not the exact same player. I don't want to just say, oh, he's going to do the exact same thing. But I, there's enough similarities that I think it could work from a minutes per game and, and overall scoring production. I think you would see see it looking somewhat similar. If Smith does return, then you have Smith and Nemhard and Hickman and Stromer and Woodbury all competing for minutes. That's a little bit clunky. I think, again, you'd play a lot of three-guard lineups. Steel Venters uh, could even shift up a little bit, potentially. Uh, It kind of depends how ready they feel that Yo and Tui, the two freshmen coming in, are are going to be. That's another question for for Mark Few and the Zags to kind of figure out. But to me, Woodbury makes a lot of sense, either if Smith returns or not. But definitely, if Malachi Smith is out the door, you're going to want to replace him with somebody – that you can find that's similar, and Woodbury is a veteran guard who's done it all, who's a good three-point shooter who I think could slide into that role comfortably at Gonzaga next season. Well, former Gonzaga target Taron Armstrong signed a professional contract overseas in the NBL, proving that the transfer portal is not the only way for mid-major stars to get recognized. More coming up on that right after this. All right, segment three, Stoney Patton still locked on Zags. We're still talking transfer portal, although we are switching the conversation a little bit here to talk about a former Gonzaga target in the transfer portal, Taryn Armstrong. Because Taron Armstrong is no longer in the transfer portal, he has signed a professional contract overseas in the NBL, NBL, excuse me, the National Basketball League in Australia. He's from Australia. He came to Cal Baptist from the NBA Global Academy in Australia, so it is not surprising to see him go home to play professionally. But I know that he was like one of the first hot names in the transfer portal, ranked very highly on that list by a lot of people, and was kind of sought after by by a ton of high major programs. Ultimately, what ended up happening to Armstrong and what looks like kind of a, a raw deal for him was that he named his final four, the four schools that he wanted to go to, And basically all the schools just went other directions with their guard additions. I don't think it was intentional of like, we're no longer interested in Armstrong. The biggest thing that happened is that Ryan Nemhart entered the transfer portal and it kind of, it created a domino effect that I think did impact Armstrong in a negative way. Creighton was one of his top four alongside Gonzaga, alongside Providence, alongside Xavier. Those are the four schools that he was considering. He's either Gonzaga or the Big East. (laughs) That's where he was going to go. The Zags, of course, added Ryan Nemhard And Creighton, when they realized they lost Ryan Nembhard, they went out and added Utah State Stephen Ashworth. Those two programs immediately filled very, very big needs and filled point guard roles specifically, which is the role that Terren Armstrong was going to fill. Meanwhile, Xavier and Sean Miller went out and got Davion McKnight from Western Kentucky. They also added a combo guard and Quincy Olivier from Rice. So adding those two guys kind of pushed Xavier to a spot where they didn't have a ton of room in the guard spot. Uh, Providence didn't make a ton of additions. They did add Justin Fernandez from George Mason. He followed his coach, Kim English, who took over as the head coach at Providence following Ed Cooley taking over at Georgetown, of course but so for Armstrong I think he kind of just saw some of his opportunities dry up reportedly he had figures in mind for a uh, for a, um, an NIL opportunity as he should have as every player should have in mind uh, but for him he was always kind of eyeing the professional route as well he knew he could go back to his home country he could play professionally in Australia uh, he could make money doing that and and live at home and and do you know whatever he wanted to do in Australia and I think for him the opportunities for college basketball were, where can I go that will increase my chances of getting drafted? And where can I go where I can make some money? And those opportunities just didn't uh, didn't show up for him, in part because other schools uh, made other additions, in part because maybe some of the schools he thought would be interested were not interested. Uh, but he pivoted, and he made another decision. And I think we focus so much on how mid-major players, the best avenue for them for success is to transfer to a high major and then blow up there. And look, it has worked. Marquise Noel was the darling of the NCAA tournament at Kansas state. He started out at little rock. He started out at a, as a mid-major player. Baylor Shireman was one of the best players for Creighton last year. He started out at South Dakota state. Sule boom for Xavier. Z- yeah. For Xavier. He was at us, usf. He was at San Francisco. Then he was at UTEP for a couple of years. And then he went to, to Xavier. So, the, that, that's just three of a thousand examples. Of course, Malachi Smith's in that conversation as well. But there are some like really high level starting guards in the NCAA tournament at some of the best programs who came from mid-major schools. It is a clear way for these young men to get discovered to boost their NBA draft stock. But it is not the only way. A, we, we talked about Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson's going to enter the draft and he could get drafted out of North Dakota State. That could happen. It doesn't happen all that often, but it could happen. We've also seen players do the opposite. Brandon Podzimski is a great example of this. He started his career at Illinois. He played like two minutes per game for the Illini, transferred to Santa Clara, starred at Santa Clara last year, Is now he's going to get drafted. I mean, it's not if. He is going to get drafted this year. And so there are multiple different ways to do this. The transfer portal creates opportunities for players to move up a level and get more exposure, to move down a level and get more exposure, but it is also not the only option. And in an era now where going overseas doesn't just mean you disappear completely out of the basketball lexicon. You're not just gone when you go overseas because of social media, because of just the ease of being able to watch video and watch tape and learn about players. Armstrong could go to the NBL and still come back and play in the NBA. I mean, LaMelo Ball did it. Like there's some really high profile players who have done it because that they just didn't want to go for whatever reason. They didn't want to go to college. They didn't get the amount of money that they wanted, et cetera, et cetera. So for Armstrong, it's kind of, again, for him, it's an, it's an easy, it's a simple enough story of, hey, he's an Australian player who wants to go back and play professionally in Australia. If that leads to an NBA career, great. If not, great. He's still in Australia. And I think that that is the crux of the story. But it's worth pointing out that mid-major players do not have to have a good career at their small school, enter the portal, go to a big school, and then try to go to the NBA. That is not the only path. Grant Nelson is potentially proving it. If he goes to the NBA straight out of North Dakota, Deca- North Dakota state, Taron Armstrong is potentially proving it. He may not ever be an NBA player. I don't think that like, there's not a guarantee that he is. I'm not sure that he is, but the, if he wants to be an NBA player, he chose to go a different route to potentially get there. And I think that's good. And I, 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 I I'm a huge college basketball stand and a fan and, and I want to see the sport grow and succeed as much as possible. And I don't think there's any doubt that Taron Armstrong starting point guard for a big e-school probably makes college basketball a little bit better. But at the end of the day, I think it's good that these players have other opportunities because he could have just gotten squeezed out completely and either had to go back to Cal Baptist or transfer to a similar small school and not really get what he wanted. But he realized, Hey, I'm not finding the opportunities I want. I'm going to explore another route. And I'm glad to see players continuing to make those decisions and have that autonomy and be able to do that. Because I think that at the end of the day, you just want these guys to find the best opportunities for themselves. And Armstrong didn't find it in college basketball, and I'm glad he found another way, even though I wish I got to see what he could have done at a higher major program, because I think he could have been really, really good. I think Gonzaga made the right decision in adding Ryan Nemhard, without a doubt, Uh, but I'm curious what would have happened had he been able to go either there or Creighton or any of those other schools. But again, it's happy to see these guys find opportunities, even if it's outside the scope of college basketball. All right, that is going to do it for me today. We got more Transfer Portal stuff coming up later in the week. We're, of course, going to continue our season and review series. We're going to talk about Rasir Bolton here very soon, how his college career ended up, what his professional future might look like, all that coming up later this week right here on the Locked on Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check it out on YouTube as well. Just go to youtube.com. Search Locked On Zags, hit that big red subscribe button. While you're there, go search for the Locked On College Basketball Podcast as well. We are so close to 1,000 subscribers, folks. That is the big number for us. So if you haven't done so yet, go find Locked On College Basketball. Hit that subscribe button. We would very, very much appreciate it. All right. Thank you all for listening. And as always, go Zags.